Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santorelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we're trying to find some balance in this world full of extremes. All right, let's get into the episode. So today I'm going to be doing a bunch of random topics from different TV shows, different podcasts I've been listening to, different articles. So I will get into all of those zeitgeisty things very soon. Uh, First, just a quick update on my personal situation that's been going on. Um, Well, first of all, I did want to know, to let you go, that I did hear from a couple of listeners uh, after my last podcast, and I love hearing from you guys. Uh, One really kind listener just shared how, you know, she just really enjoys listening to the podcast and it's helping her get through a hard time. And that just meant the world to me because I listen to podcasts for similar reasons. I mean, some of the ones that I love, some of the ones I'll be reviewing today. I mean, she's kind of like my best friend, Taylor Strucker. I mean, not really, but she she just she makes me laugh and it just takes me out of whatever stressful situation that I'm going through. You know, if I have to take a quick break from work, if I'm freaking out at work because everything's going haywire, you know, I'll just turn on her podcast for a few minutes and I'll just laugh. And it's always about something just really you know, lighthearted and entertaining. So, uh, so I'm really happy to hear that, you know, my podcast is doing the same for some people out there. So uh, anybody else that wants to message in, I do love hearing uh, feedback. I have another listener who is a, a holistic nutritionist. I won't say her name, uh, but she was really great in giving me some feedback on uh, my last episode. So she is someone that does love oysters. She actually loves the taste of them, uh, which was interesting to me. I mean, I was curious to hear from people, and I did know that there were people out there that really did love oysters. She said she chews them a little bit. She said the flavor is incredible to me. Um, And she feels amazing after eating them. So hey, that I love hearing that. Uh, And she's someone that does like meat. She says she feels her best when she's eating meat and greens. I feel my lightest and my leanest when I'm eating meat and greens. Uh, But I'm just so, I'm left very unsatisfied after. It's definitely where I feel my best, but I think because I crave carbs so much, it's, I'm never really satisfied. But I do agree that you do feel great if you're eating very lean like that. Um, So, so anyway, I just wanted to share some of that. Uh, she's also had wine for breakfast, which I also appreciated. I'm like, oh man, are people going to think I'm a degenerate talking about drinking wine for breakfast? But hey, I love all the people out there that do the same thing. So again, thank you to my listeners who wrote in. Uh, If anybody else wants to message me, the best way to do it is to DM me on Instagram at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Uh, If you're not already following me, please follow me. And uh, yeah, so, so that was nice. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, I... I did have my deposition on Monday and, you know, it's, it, it was interesting. I've never been deposed before. And the attorney on the other side was, you know, he was kind. Uh, I could tell that there was one area that he was trying to get me to, to admit to something that I, I was not going to admit to. I'm like, well, no, that's not the truth. And, 
he was he was kind of trying to trick me, I felt, into saying something that would have hurt me in the trial. And my my attorney finally had to object and say, asked and answered. And so I was grateful that my attorney was there to kind of guide me through that because I knew what he was trying to do. And I could tell he got a little frustrated. So that felt like a win. But yeah, this week has been uh, really stressful. I, I feel like I'm uh, I'm vacillating between spiraling down into a deep dark hole uh and and you know and and pulling myself back out and moments of joy and and gratitude and and all of the things that I work on um I do think it's because the court case the arbitration is actually next week you know I wake up multiple times throughout the night like talking to the judge out of my dreams and so I know it's just consuming me at the moment and I'm I'm trying not to let it <clears throat> but it it is and i i really am very embarrassed at the way i handled a, a work situation the other day um i totally went off on and and it's not like me to do that i i don't really go off on people but i i i i, I thought we ordered the wrong material and spent all this money building this secure vault for our warehouse space and thought it was the wrong material and and it it might be i don't i don't know i i i did speak to a couple of other people that made me feel better where we won't necessarily need to tear it all down we can probably add to it to secure it so after I heard that, I felt a little bit better. I did hear that the material that we used has been approved in another dispensary. So so I, after I heard that, I calmed down and I immediately felt very shameful at how I had initially reacted. And I hate it when I do that. Like, it's one thing to react in your own head because sometimes I feel like I'm constantly fighting with people in my own head. I actually Googled that recently. Uh, the other day, I'm like, why am I fighting with people in my head all the time? And actually, Google told me it's a sign of anxiety. So that totally makes sense. Um, so usually I can I can like hide that. Like I'll have my little anxiety fight in my head. But what I'll actually put out into the public is is more normal. Um, yeah, I, I totally lost it the other day. And, and I'm not proud. But you live and you learn. You know, I'm just sitting here studying stoicism and then I have these moments where I can put it into practice and I often fail. So something to keep working on. But anyway, um, Halloween was this week. Uh, again, anybody following me on Instagram saw a couple of the pictures I posted. I was Princess Leah, Leah and my boyfriend was Han Solo. Uh, I actually wanted to recycle my costume from last year because it was awesome. It was Gamora. And I had like the green paint, which I loved. But this one was fine. I, you know, my boots were fairly comfortable. And um, yeah, it was it was a good night. It was fun. We had a, we had a good time. Uh, I managed to stay away from most Halloween candy. I mean, I think I'd kind of gotten my fix the week before when I shoved two entire Twix bars down my throat. But uh but I did, so I just went out and bought, on Halloween, I bought just candy that I wasn't tempted by. Um, and so that got taken and eaten, so I didn't have to worry about that. I did grab like a little Twix bar as I strolled through our neighborhood. Our neighborhood goes so out of control with decorations. It's it's pretty impressive. Um, I did have a drink that night because we were hanging out with some neighbors, but Overall, I, I kind of use this week to, you know, do some meal prepping, eat more nutritionally, 
Um, I did post a little video on my Instagram the other day of this Whole Foods meal that I was excited to make and eat. So last week I talked about how quinoa was brought up as being one of the plant-based um, proteins that it has all of the essential amino acids we we need. So I was like, oh, I would want to get some quinoa. I want to make it with some bone broth. I'm like, oh, let me make, you know, get, put some Brussels sprouts in there and I'll put some chicken and, you know, it, it seemed like it would taste, it would all work together. And it did. I mean, the flavor combinations were good. I used, you know, a lot of garlic, the bone broth. Uh, I think my, I think, so when I eat Brussels sprouts, I like them to be charred. And when I sauteed these, there was all, all like already some chicken uh, and mushroom stuff stuck to the bottom of the pan. So I didn't get that nice char. Um, I did think about cooking them separately and I should have done that or, or broiled them or something, but I didn't. And so, and, and then the quantities were off. Like I was trying to make a ton of quinoa and use all my bone broth. And so, you know, I wasn't using a recipe. So the, you know, the chicken was overcrowded in the pan, so I didn't get a good sear on the chicken. Uh, so, you know, it was, it, it tastes fine. I actually just warmed some up and ate it because I'd like to have, when I'm trying to eat, you know, mostly whole foods in a week, I like to have quick things that I can just, that are already cooked that I can grab and warm up. It just helps me stay on track. Um, so I'll eat it. I will eat it. It's not, not edible. It's, it's fine. Um, you know, and usually when I when I'm trying to make something out of like from scratch out of my own recipe, I need to make it a few times to really perfect it. And I think that's normal. This was the first time I made it. You know, came out okay, not great. Anyway, so let's see. And then, <clears throat> so I have my friends Michelle and Chad coming in to town this week. Uh, they arrive tomorrow, and they're doing this race with my boyfriend up in Fountain Hills. It's this race called Ragnar. And I'm like, no, thank you. It's like, it's it's over the course of two days. And I think they do like three, it's basically a team type of situation where uh, each person runs three times throughout the the weekend. And, you know, it's, I think it's, I think the longest is like 6.8 miles. It's trail running. So it's up and down these huge hills and they camp out. Now, if it was just a, a, a race, maybe like even a 6.8 mile race that went through trails, I would definitely be in for that. It's the camping thing that would not work for me. I mean, I'll go camping. I don't know that I want to go running a race and camping. I mean, last year when he did it, he like was drinking and, and, and barely got any sleep. And I was like, that sounds horrible. He'd like run in the middle of the night. So I don't know. So they're going to do that. <clears throat> I'm going to chill, have some alone time. Um, I might go hang out, hang out with them on Friday a little bit. But then uh, Michelle and Chad will spend the, the weekend here or Saturday here at least. And I love Michelle. Michelle's one of my best friends. She uh, moved here after I moved to California. And she's a, a nurse. And she's also um, she's going through this program to be a holistic nurse, a transformative nurse or something. So she and I just have a lot in common. And she's become like family to me. So uh, so that's exciting. I'm excited for her to get in. Uh, she's also one of the people that really loves oysters. <laughs> so, uh, and then, yeah, so that's basically my week. Uh, Chad did eat, so the, the Halloween candy that he had hid from me, he like, him and his friends completely finished that off. So, uh, so none of, none of the trick-or-treaters got that initial few bags of candy, which 
of course, when you're buying Halloween candy that early, you end up eating it. So anywho, so Halloween is over. The candy's out of the house. That's that's a good thing. All right. So let's get into the zeitgeisty kind of topics I wanted to get into. And the first one, so on the Taylor Strucker show, which is one of the podcasts I listen to, uh, she's on Patreon, and she started talking about Ozempic. Now, I would love to think it's because she saw my show and was like, oh, I need, you know, but that's not true. She, I don't think she even noticed that I spoke about it recently. She, apparently she had heard about it a few months ago. She had kind of been thinking about thinking about it and looking a little bit more into it but she finally brought it up on her show and Dr. Wider was one of the guests and Dr. Wider you know is a friend of hers but she's also you know she's kind of like the doctor of the show and so Dr. Wider was giving her review on it and saying that you know it's it's there's very few side effects that um that the gastroenterology community, some sort of like institute or something, uh, had come out in support of, uh, was it semaglutide? Uh, so there's a lot of drugs using this compound that is helping people, you know, control their blood sugar. And the side effect is, is rapid weight loss. And so Taylor was just super, super excited that something like this existed. She's like, you know, she's like, I can't tell you, Dr. Wider, how good I feel knowing that this is just out there. She's like, I can't tell you how much stress it took off my plate. And it really made me think about how how much I focus on this, how much my unhappiness with my body and how much weight I've gained and, you know, my overall body image has affected me and how it affects my my everyday life. And she said that just knowing it's out there, knowing that there's there's going to be help around the corner and a solution when she needs it, she's like, that alone made me feel great. And And Dr. Wider was talking about, you know, there is scientific proof, obviously, that this works. But she also brought up how, you know, the placebo effect can help a lot of people, even people that have anxiety disorders that they might have a prescription for Xanax, they might not even need to take it. But they uh, but just having it there makes them feel better. It's kind of like my vape pen at night. Like if I if I'm having trouble sleeping, just knowing it's there and I can take a little puff and go back to sleep that helps me. Sometimes I'll take the puff. Sometimes I won't. Um, I prefer that over Xanax. Uh, not that I don't like Xanax. I have tried Xanax a couple times and it did knock me out, but it's something I don't want to get addicted to. So I stick to more natural cannabis um, and that works for me. But I will be extremely interested to hear the results of Taylor Strucker's journey with it. And, you know, and I, again, this is not something that I would ever do unless I had a significant amount of weight to lose because you actually have to like, well, there there is an oral form, but some people actually like inject it into their, into themselves, which, you know, sounds kind of extreme. But, uh, you know, I think for people that are at that point where they're feeling like it's so overwhelming, you know, how much they need to lose and they can qualify per their doctor you know, why not? So apparently Taylor did talk to her doctor about, and it sounds like her doctor is going to support her using it. 
So yeah, so I will be very curious to see how she does with it. Curious to see if she has any side effects. Curious to see if she starts rapidly losing weight. You know, it's supposed to take away your hunger and make you feel full, you know, feel make you feel full. Now, if I only ate when I was hungry, that would be great. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm I'm eating when I'm just emotional and and stressed. I mean, lately I've been back scrounging at night again. Now, I, I still have not been doing desserts. I did have a little piece of candy here and there. So I'm not trying to, you know, be 100% dessert free anymore. But I have to say... I have been just feeling overall more in control. The thought of going back and getting another gallon of ice cream, an entire container of Jimmy's and eating the entire thing in two days, you know, I don't want to go back to that sick feeling. So I'm, I'm, I'm still going to monitor and reduce my, my processed sugar intake with the understanding that pumpkin pie, you know, sweet potato pie with a la mode is around the corner because Thanksgiving is coming. And I love Thanksgiving and I love apple pie and pumpkin pie with lots of vanilla ice cream. Okay. So, so Taylor actually shared and, you know, the level of obsession that she feels and especially the way she tears herself down, um, you know, is, is, you know, it's, it's harmful, you know, negative self-talk is very detrimental to, you know, to someone's psyche. And, you know, she talked about how she was watching this. She remembers being a little girl and I can't remember how old. I think she was, she was a teenager, but she was watching this Naomi Watts movie. She said all she could think about the entire movie was how thin Naomi Watts legs are and how hers weren't thin and how she wanted those thin legs and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if, if that, if, if it is, if, your thoughts about your body image are holding you back from just enjoying everyday life and and you feel like something like Ozempic could help, hey, more power to you. I mean, I think that's what we're all trying to work on is being kind to ourselves, being gracious with ourselves, giving ourselves a break. You know, I that is one of the things that that tricks that I've learned that it has really saved me a lot of time and and anxiety is just giving myself grace not beating myself up. So so we'll see if Taylor ends up doing it. She also brought up with um on this other day when Sean Kilby was on another co-host, she brought up the Taylor Swift of it all and how Taylor Swift had, you know, faced a lot of controversy for she's about to release a new album and she got on a scale in this music video and she looked down and it just said, instead of a number, it said fat. And, you know, and of course, the offense jury that's out there, all of social media that's like searching the internet for something to get offended by, of course, they jumped down her throat and said she was being offensive. And and Taylor brought it up as like, the how she originally started talking about it was, you know, how dare someone, you know... Th- thin like Taylor Swift and and in a a societally approved body is calling herself fat. That's kind of where she first landed and how, you know, a lot of fat people, you know, are offended that she's categorizing herself and kind of taking ownership over a word that she probably shouldn't be taking ownership of. And, 
you know, what I learned from Alicia McCarvel, who, um, you know, has been, she was another influencer that I've reviewed on this podcast. And she is fat. She, and she is a body acceptance influencer. She talked about how all of us, you know, people that are in societally approved and normalized bodies still think they're fat and still think that they have issues and still go through the same trials and tribulations that somebody in a larger body might go through mentally. And I, again, I love that she kind of normalized that and brought that attention and, and gave grace to to people of all sizes and shapes that, that, that beat themselves up and that have these thoughts. And really that was Taylor Swift's kind of message is like, wow, look at how I used to be unkind to myself. Look at how I used to think I was, you know, I was fat and not good enough. And, and, and Taylor was just kind of, Taylor Strucker was kind of saying like, you know, maybe there's other words she could have used, you know, maybe she could have said worthless or, you know, something like that. But I mean, I also think it's a lot of people think like that, like that is a normal, you know, I think people of all age groups, you know, of course, you know, all of us in my age group and around older and, and in a younger generation that, we were raised with, you know, the supermodel waif bodies, you know, we don't fit the supermodel mold. And, and, you know, we've, that's why this whole disordered eating culture exists. And, you know, all the way to people, you know, with body dysmorphia, people, you know, with, uh, you know, different ethnicities that have different body types, like, it really, you know, is across the, you know, you know, across the spectrum, really. And Taylor immediately took that down. Taylor Swift, she immediately like changed the the video and and got rid of that. And Sean Kilby actually made a good point in that, you know, people are so, you know, just get offended over everything and not everything should be taken down, right? Like this is art. I mean, what, what Taylor is making is, should be it and is art. It's a form of art. And, you know, he, he kind of made this point, like if, if we went back in history and changed all the old pieces of art that, that you know, display society the way that it was back then, but it's not, it's not happening now. I mean, you know, there's old pictures of all kinds of things that wouldn't be accepted in today's society, but we don't destroy that. Um, we don't, but, and it's, it stands as a record of history. Uh, so I, I do understand his point in, you know, maybe it shouldn't be, uh, maybe it shouldn't be touched. Maybe it should be preserved. Maybe she should make that strong social statement and stand by it. And, and I, I think she could have, I actually do think that she could have defended that point, but I think celebrities are so quick to change because of cancel culture and look, I think I think there's cancel culture, and then I think there are bold statements to be made, and then I think there are pun- there's punishment for actions. There are decisions that companies make because somebody has done something distasteful, like Kanye West. You know, I used to be a huge fan of Kanye West. I I'm not, and I'm not someone that supports cancel culture in general. But when he came out saying that stuff about with the anti-Semitism, I'm like get him out of here. Like, honestly, he, the, the fact that he had like Adidas and all these other companies have dropped him, you know, that's a business decision they're making because what he's saying is so 
you know, repulsive and dangerous, quite frankly. And so, you know, I used to love Kanye West. I used to be a huge fan. I was inspired by Kanye West. And now, again, I know he's mentally un- unwell, but I don't I don't think that that's an excuse. You got to take your meds. And um, yeah, I actually turn past his music now. And And again, I used to love that he would be bold and say whatever he wanted. Like when he got on TV and said, George Bush doesn't care about black people. I'm like, oh my, good for him for saying it. Because it's, it seemed like that when Katrina was happening and people didn't get relief that they needed. So I love that bold kind of say whatever the hell you want. I do respect that in people. But of course, there is a line and there's racism. And that was that. Anyway, sorry, that was a tangent. Getting back to Taylor Swift. What do you guys think? Um, what do you, you know, and I, I know I say guys. I know you're supposed to watch the, the pronouns now, but <clears throat> it's in my vernacular. So I hope I'm not offending anyone. But uh, what do you all think out there? Uh, do you think that Taylor Swift made a good decision in taking that down? Or do you think she should have left it? You know, obviously, fat is a now a, what we're trying to make that a socially acceptable word. It's kind of like women taking back bitch, right? Like we call each other bitches all the time now. But if a man says that to us, it's very offensive. So can only fat people say the word fat? I don't know. Um, what do you think? Feel free to DM me. Share your opinions. All right. Next topic I wanted to bring up. <clears throat> now, I does anybody out there watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? I am obsessed with Bravo and I I really do I have liked Lisa Rinna. Now, Lisa Rinna is this extremely thin. She's beautiful. I mean, she looks so young. It's insane how young she looks. Uh she, of course she has a lot of work done. But she and I know Lisa Rinna from Melrose Place and all kinds of shows. And I've always respected Lisa Rinna's hustle. Uh, Lisa Rinna has a wicked, strong work ethic. And and I like that. You know, I remember when she first got on Bravo, she was like defending her Depends commercial. She's like, do you know how much money I made for that? I'm like, make that money, girl. Uh, so, so Lisa Rinna recently so on the reunion apparently Garcelle Bouvier who's also on the Real Housewives of of Beverly Hills she had written a book and I think it was some sort of memoir and in it she had commented on a situation that had been brought up on the show surrounding Lisa Rinna's daughter's eating disorder and Garcelle had asked her on the show in front of the cameras, whether Lisa's own, I don't know exactly, I can't, I can't, I don't know how how exactly she phrased it, but the, the gist was, do you think your own eating behaviors and focus on being thin affected your daughters and, and contributed to their, her eating disorder? And and of course, Lisa was incredibly offended by that and, and said that it had nothing to do with that. And maybe it did and maybe it didn't, right? Like I know that when my grandfather said something to be about, about my own weight, that that was enough to trigger some sort of eating issue in me when I was like 13 years old. So obviously what our parents say, and it doesn't even have to be directed at us, like what they might say about somebody else in society, right? Like I do remember this old, old episode 
where they were in their cars. And I think it was actually when they, it could have been when they were talking about this whole eating disorder. And Lisa said something to the effect, not not exactly this, but something about, oh, look at those fatties or, oh, we don't want to be fatties or something, something like that, where she was making this comment about other people that might have been in larger bodies. And and again, if if you're speaking about that, <clears throat> speaking like that about other people, I could see how, like if my mom said that, for example, I would internalize that most likely as, oh, being overweight is not okay. Being overweight, she's going to speak about me in a derogatory manner. So I need to stay thin in order to get approval from my mom. I mean, that's the type of thing that could get into someone's brain. <clears throat> now, it could, that could be totally off, right? Like it could have nothing to do with anything that her mom said. I mean, look, this girl is <clears throat> in Hollywood, right? They live in LA. Uh, they are models, right? They're, they're, and I don't know whether, I mean, obviously their mom being famous and on this very, um, you know, visible show that, you know, now all the celebrities' kids are, are models. Um, but, I mean, they actually, I mean, they're beautiful, beautiful girls. But, you know, you you it looks like Delilah, it, who's the other daughter, is in a smaller, like she, she looks like she has her mom's body type. And then Amelia had a little, you know, I mean, she was growing up, she's much taller. And and you could see her going through some struggles while she was on the show. And and it was brought up that she did have an eating disorder. And again, I, I can't imagine the pressure of being in LA. She dated Scott Disick, you know, from the Kardashians. And I mean, just being in that public eye and and with it with our tendency to tear ourselves apart when we see ourselves out there, a lot of different things could have contributed to an eating disorder. But apparently, Garcelle brought it up in her book, and and I can understand Lisa Rinna not wanting her daughter to be mentioned in this book in a negative light. Like, you know, obviously an eating disorder is not necessarily something, you know, from a young, from a, from a child, you know, at the time she was, I believe she was underage at that time, you know, talking about that is very sensitive. And so it, it apparently Garcelle actually had it removed. I think Lisa sounded like from the reunion, Lisa's Rinna's, Lisa Rinna's attorney contacted Garcelle's attorney, and it sounds like made them remove it. So Mama Bear was not having that. So I just thought that was kind of interesting, and it made sense. So then I wanted to talk about another topic that was recently brought up that, so for any of you out there that knows of Christina Applegate. Now, Christina Applegate has been in a lot of different shows along, you know, along the journey. <clears throat> I know her best from, what was it, that Al Bundy show, Married with Children. <laughs> that was like one of her first shows. But um, she's great. I really, really like Christina Applegate. And apparently she recently was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And she it said that she gained 40 pounds um, since her diagnosis, and she's having mobility issues. She's having to use walking canes, 
And, you know, I really feel for her. I feel for anybody with a serious chronic health condition that, you know, is going to become potentially progressively worse over time. Uh, And the fact that she gained, now I have a lot of experience with multiple sclerosis. I I serve a lot of patients with MS. Uh, Cannabis is, has been known to uh, relieve the symptoms of like muscle spasticity and neuropathy associated with MS. In fact, there is a drug in phase three clinical trials through the FDA right now called Sativex that's been approved in Canada and all around Europe for many years. It's a cannabis-based product, um, but it's made by pharmaceutical companies, and it will get approved by the FDA here. Uh, Biden just recently came out about, you know, talking about decriminalization and rescheduling of cannabis. And that, I, I was shocked because I've never heard a president utter those words. And so we may get uh, a federal change to uh, cannabis very soon. Before that happened, I did, my hypothesis was that this drug, Sativex, would get approved by the FDA and would force the DEA and the FDA to reschedule cannabis, just like they did with CBD. CBD was also, you know, combined with THC as being a Schedule One until CBD passed clinical trials through the FDA for pediatric seizure disorder. It was moved down to a Schedule Five and then completely removed off the scheduling list. So, um, so now. Um, so this drug, you know, and, and natural cannabis, right? Like we serve a lot of patients that use natural cannabis, whether they inhale it or whether they use tinctures or edibles. Uh, but it, it, it's, it brings a lot of relief. And there's a tremendous amount of published research on the efficacy for specifically MS. So when I saw that Christina Applegate had gained 40 pounds I, I started just doing a little research because I was like, how would she have gained that much weight? And and there could be some swelling of some some joints and some ankles and some feet, but it sounds like that she might be undergoing steroid therapy. And they do that to reduce inflammation. But she should be taking, in my opinion, again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not pretending to be, and this is not medical advice, but steroids, I mean, I had so many weight loss clients that were put on steroids and gained 100 pounds. You know, prednisone was the number one uh, steroid drug that I heard of that would cause this type of weight gain. But I would imagine that that's why, I mean, that was the first thing that popped up was she's probably undergoing steroid therapy. And there's a few different steroids that are traditionally used for this. Um, you know, people aren't supposed to be on it long term. Typically, it's used for, you know, a short duration to reduce inflammation. But I wonder if Christina Applegate knows about CBD and THC and the benefits for MS. You know, I have been that person that has reached out like, you know, when um, John McCain had his brain tumor, I just felt compelled to reach out to his family and share the efficacy of cannabinoids, cannabis for brain tumors. And so I've been thinking about DMing her. I mean, she probably won't get it, but I do like to share this information because if someone's really struggling and they're using pharmaceuticals that are actually, you know, not affecting them in a good way and and creating all these side effects like weight gain, weight gain can make the symptoms of MS worse. So anyway, I, I I really hope that she goes into remission and finds a good, I probably will DM her after this episode just to feel better because just to know that I did my little part in, in sharing that information. But um, 
And, you know, because there's still such a stigma and some people just have no idea about all this research on this topic. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not an anti-pharmaceutical person, but if something more natural can be used and is shown efficacious, why wouldn't you, you use something more natural? Anyway, so uh, wishing her the best. One, one of my friends um, from high school was also diagnosed with MS. and I know she uses cannabis. Actually just got a patient referred to me the other day that has a severe case of MS. And some people are very high functioning uh, and don't have you know a severe case of it, but Anyway, it sounds like she's really struggling, so I do do wish her the best. All right. Now let's talk about one more fascinating topic to me, which is cool sculpting and Linda Evangelista. Now, so this topic could be, you know, have you ever been botched? Now, I I think I brought this up briefly on a a past episode, but I think I just kind of like briefly mentioned it. Um, I did want to do a little bit more of a deeper dive on this. Now, I haven't had a ton of work done. I mean, I do the Botox. I think the best thing I've ever done is is put filler in my lips because I had no upper lip. Uh, And so I do like the results of that. And, um, And I've always had these big dark circles under my eyes and I have really deep tear troughs. So, you know, I'm someone that, you know, I I don't think I'll ever get major work done, but I I definitely like corrective things, right? Like right now my upper eyelid is drooping over my lower eyelid. So I'd either like to get a little, you know, eyebrow lift or, which I think would be less invasive than blepharoplasty. That's kind of scares me a little bit, but, um, but I definitely, you know, once I'm in a better financial place after the stupid arbitration, um, I'd like to get a little bit of work done to help rejuvenate the eyes. I need some filler around my temples because you can see all the veins, you know, in the side of my face. Anyway, I'm someone that does, you know, I like that stuff. Uh, but I have been botched with a woman who injected filler under my eyes and it was it looked terrible. I mean... It was basically like I had two puffy, like juice-filled bumps under my. I mean, it was terrible. Ter- it just made me look even more tired, um, and so it had the exact opposite effect of what I was going for. Uh, and and I did. I put up with it for years. Like I was like Tara Reed. I like refused to get it fixed for at least a year and a half. I was like, let me just like let it deplete on its own. But for me, like Botox for me goes like that. Like it, it just like gets out of my system so quickly. But filler actually stays for quite a while, which is a good thing for my lips because I hate getting my lips done. It's literally the most painful thing and most uncomfortable thing ever. But, you know, but when you get botched and it's under your eyeballs and it looks terrible and you look even more tired, you know, that's when filler lasting extra long is not a good thing. So I did finally go to somebody that's much more skilled and she did end up putting some stuff in it that like depleted it or whatever. So anyway, now I, when I get filler, I go to an expert. So I have this woman right down the street from me. I'm actually going to try to interview her someday because she's great. She's an allergen 
um, teacher. So she actually like is she's very talented and she actually is one of those people that she has this institute where she teaches other nurses how to do proper injection, proper, um, you know, Botox and all of like the, the med spa type stuff. So and she's not as much as Dr. Kasabian. Like I keep saying, I'm going to go to Dr. Kasabian once I save up enough money. Uh, you know, we'll see when I can afford him. But in the meantime, she's a good, you know, second best because she's very talented uh, and a little bit more affordable. She's not the, she's obviously not the cheapest, but you don't want to go to the cheapest as we've learned. So, so cool, scump- cool sculpting actually has had a, a pretty good reputation. And I remember right before this article came out about Linda Evangelista getting um, getting botched, she – so I had – so look, I – again, I'm not going to tear myself all apart, but, you know, I do have a lot of cellulite on my legs, as a lot of women do. Um, but like, I don't know, it's this – it's it's – you know, I really – when I look <laughs> – when I admire – women's legs like I really like the toned uh you know kind of like when you can see the muscle tone and that will probably never be my legs like I I'm you know thicker I carry more weight in my legs and it's just you know to to get them that toned I'd probably have to do a ridiculous amount of weights and and really work them out to the extent that I just I just don't want to do that much working out. I mean, I like to work out, but not that much. So, um, so I was thinking, I was like, well, I wonder if there's going to be future technologies that like I could do, you know, a large part of my body and have it just like melt that fat away. And so I, and I just started thinking, I'm like, I wonder if cool sculpting would do that. Now, I think I was, I you know, cool sculpting from what, you know, what I understand, and I, I am going to read some of the article later, but it like f- kind of freezes the fat and it gets drained out of your system. But I think it's more for like bolt, like areas that are kind of like bulging out where you'd normally might get like liposuction or something. So, you know, and this, what I was thinking of was a, a much different application, which I don't think would ever truly work for cool sculpting. Um, I just, just, again, it was a superficial thought. I'm like, oh, my legs, my, my cellulite, (laughs) poor me. Like, it's so stupid because I'm, I'm blessed to have two strong legs that, that allow me to walk everywhere. But anyway, we're, we're going to go into a little superficial zone for just a second. So, uh, join me. Um, so, so I remember after I had been thinking about that, I, I read this article and I'm like, OMG, I can't believe I was ever thinking about doing something that drastic when the supermodel just got like basically her entire body ruined. So so let me so I did do a, again a little bit of research on this because I wanted to get the full story because recently she was back on the runway. I think that's what kind of sparked me wanting to have this conversation again is she 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 got back out there and that's amazing. You know, now granted she she was fully covered, you know, she had a big flowing gown on, you know, completely hiding her body, which I don't blame her. You know, she's still very self-conscious, but you know, she she doesn't want to let 
to let it hold her back from living her life. So she filed a lawsuit in September and she sued Cool Sculpting's parent company, which is called Zeltic Aesthetics, for $50 million. Um, And because she's been unable to work, this is what she's claiming, she's been unable to work after she underwent seven sessions of cool sculpting in a dermatologist's office uh, from August 2015 to August to February 2016. So after she had these seven different treatments over less than a year, right? Yeah, or maybe a little bit more than a year, um, within three months after her treatments, she said she started noticing bulges at her chin, thighs, and bra area. And those were the exact same areas that she had wanted to shrink, but now they were growing and they were actually hardening, she said, and then they turned numb. And she said, she, I tried to, she's like, I tried to fix it myself thinking I was doing something wrong. She began dieting more. She'd be exercising more. She's like, I got to where I wasn't eating at all. She's like, I thought I was losing my mind. So finally she went to a doctor. She's like, I dropped my robe. She's, she's like, I was bawling. She hadn't eaten. She was starving. She's like, what am I doing wrong? And then he diagnosed her with something that's called PAH, paradoxical adipose hyperplasia. Now, PAH is a rare side effect that affects less than 1% of cool sculpting patients, where the freezing process causes the affected fatty tissue to thicken and expand. And, and a doctor that was commenting on this said that's the upsetting part. He's like, um, this is a guy who's a New York City plastic surgeon. Uh, he said patients go in to have something reduced. He goes, and now it's enlarged. He said, and the problem with PAH in in some instances is it may not ever go away. He said, in many circumstances, the affected areas are no longer amenable to liposuction like they would have been in the first place. So, oh, can you imagine? Like you go in to have something fixed and you come out looking worse. That I think would really, like you spend all this money, you you take your time. You have all these high hopes that it's and and it's less invasive, right? Light liposuction probably would have been much more technically invasive than this, and she probably could have that. That was an option she probably had. She's probably like, oh, I could go do lipo, or I could do this new cool sculpting therapy. And why not just do the cool sculpting therapy since it's new technology and it's less invasive and blah blah blah. Probably more socially acceptable than saying, oh, I got liposuction. Um, but imagine, right? And so she said in a statement to people, um, well, so Cool Sculpting said that this procedure has been well studied for more than in more than 100 scientific publications and more than 11 million treatments performed worldwide. And PAH is, is very rare. He said... Um, but they do document that for patients and their healthcare providers as one of the warnings. It's like, and it is true. I mean, look, I, I sign on all these forms when I'm going in to get my Botox, but like, you know, just as an example. So obviously, because of this court case, I've been very financially challenged. I went, I'm embarrassed to say this, I'm going to say it. I used a Groupon to go get my Botox. Now, <laughs> this woman that did my Botox 
And I don't even think she used Botox. She like asked me if she could use this other stuff that was like a knockoff of Botox. And I'm like, no, I'd rather stick to Botox. I think she used it anyway. <laughs> like, okay, uh, that's not good. But, um, you know, like when I go to my more expensive lady, that's like the Allergan um, teacher, she'll like, she has this little machine that can find your veins so that she you don't like hit a vein and give you this massive bruise. Do you think this lady used it? That would be a no. So she definitely hit this vein like right by my eye and I got this massive black eye. And look, I bruise easily and I don't mind a little bruising from getting injections. But this, I was like, oh my God, is this going to go away? I mean, it was like this, it was like almost like internal bleeding under my eye. I mean, it was like turning all red and blue and oh, it was bad, but it, it did finally go away, thankfully. But I'm like, oh my God, am I going to be one of those people that like try to save a few bucks and, and, and got botched again? And so I'm not going to go back to her uh, and hopefully win my arbitration so I don't have to. Anyway, uh, so... So yeah, so anyway, that's horrible. You go in to look better, you you spend all this money, you come out looking worse, and it's not fixable. Now that, like, you know, my botch stuff, you can remove the filler, you can, you know, the black eye will heal, but imagine getting something that you just cannot fix. Ugh, horrible. So apparently the FDA cleared and approved coal sculpting back in 2010, and the process it uses something called it's it's a process known as cryo cryolipolysis. I think I'm saying cry, cryolipolysis, and it's based on the way frostbite affects humans. So the procedure works by placing a roll of fat between two paddles, which cool the the fat to a below freezing temperature, and studies show that the treatment which is popular because of its accessibility at med spas and minimal recovery time, can reduce the targeted fat deposits up to 20%. So uh, so what Evangelista is saying in, uh, in her court case, she's saying that uh, the company did contact her after they found out that she had developed this PAH and said that they wanted to make it right. So they offered to pay for liposuction with a surgeon of the company's choosing. You know, they wanted to choose a specialist. Uh, you know, they claimed that they've used before for this type of situation to correct that PAH damage. And so, but she said that right on the eve of the liposuction, she said that the doctor said they would only cover and pay for the procedure if she signed a confidentiality agreement. And she was like, no, she's like, absolutely not. So she refused that. But she did move forward with having two full body liposuction surgeries, which she paid for herself in June 2016. And she said following the surgery, she had to wear compression garments. Uh, she had to wear girdles. She had to wear a chin strap and um, and for eight weeks. And because they said that if she didn't wear all those compression garments and girdles and that chin strap, that she, that, that could potentially, that that pH could come back. And she said, even though she did all those things, she said it did come back. 
even after a second liposuction in 2017. Can you imagine like you go through liposuction that you pay, who knows how much she paid for that full body liposuction, painful, you're hopeful, and then those hard fat nodules just grow back. And you go through another, a second one, same thing happens. That that would be that would be horrible. I cannot imagine. She said it wasn't even a little better, and she's like the bulges are protrusions. She's like they're hard. She said if I walk without a girdle and a dress, I'd have sh- a chafing to the point of almost bleeding. She because it's not like soft fat rubbing; it's like hard fat rubbing. She said her posture's been affected because she can no longer put her arms flat along her side. She's like I don't think designers are going to want to dress me with that. And she she did pull down uh, her shirt and she showed kind of like this part of her back by like the back of her bra. And it did. It's like this this big like bulging. It almost looks like a tumor. It's like it's just this big fat bulge where, you know, women normally do have a little bit of fat, right? Like we all have this little bulgy area, you know, in, you know, near our bra. And, and I'm sure as we get older, it, it, it increases. Right. But you know, it's normal, it's natural, and it probably wasn't noticeable to anybody but her. Ugh. And she's gone through all of this, this poor, poor, poor woman. She's like, I don't look in the mirror anymore. She's like, it, it's not me. And she's like, why do we feel the need to do these things to her, to her body? She's like, I always knew I would age. And I know that there are things that a body goes through. She's like, I just didn't think I would look like this. Uh, she said she's lost her identity. She's like, I don't recognize myself physically. I don't recognize myself as a person any longer either. She's like that Linda Evangelista, the supermodel. She's just gone. And and I, I would imagine, too, that, you know, when you're paid to be beautiful, you know, it's it's it must be even more mentally devastating when you've been paid for that all your life. You've seen yourself at the pinnacle of beauty held up for the world to see and you try to make yourself even more beautiful and it all gets torn away from you. You know, that's that's one of the things that I learned from Betches. It's like my my gift to the world is not my 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 legs right? like i so the cellulite on my legs are not that big of a deal you know my tummy is you know my you know the 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 bulge that i have in my lower stomach all i need to do is wear high waisted i don't have to get up on a runway and strut my shit like i'm not paid and I, I, my gift to the world is not being a model and being beautiful so you know when i start to get all into my own head about my superficiality. I, I just remind myself of that, that, you know, what I'm contributing to the world is much different than, you know, somebody getting paid for their beauty. Uh, and that helps me get out of my head and helps me enjoy the moments and not, you know, not tear myself down. But I, I would imagine that going through something like this, uh, and, and she talked about the shame involved. You know, and I I can imagine how shameful that is, right? Like you're you're trying to improve yourself superficially, you spend all this money and you just end up with a botch situation. It's horrible. And look, there's many other things to focus on in the world, like the women in Afghanistan, and of course, we in America are blessed that these are the problems that we deal with, like how to shrink bulges of fat in certain areas, right? Like how to get my neck, you know, skin tighter. I mean, like all these things that 
you know, a lot of women around the world don't have the luxury of thinking about they're trying to survive. They're trying not to get, you know, killed by the Taliban. So anyway, I, I do recognize that there are more important things to focus on. I would imagine that going through, you know, trials and tribulations like this has made her focus on what she is grateful for and that, you know, to look beyond, you know, the superficiality of all things, you know, just like me going through my crisis with my company has made me like made me start this. Well, this wasn't what made me start the podcast, but, um, you know, I, I, you know, having dealt with so much, you know, stuff, we all find, you know, different ways to to get around the challenges and to be grateful and to focus on happiness. So hopefully she's doing that. Uh, I do, I do wish her the best. And I hope that, you know, the, the good thing is that technology is continually advancing in skincare, in beauty, and hopefully they'll create something that can address those needs that she now has. But anywho, it does make you rethink some of the things that you want to do for beauty, right? Like Kanye West's mom, Donda, she died from an elective surgery. I think she had a heart attack, but she never, I I think she found a doctor that would operate even though she had like pre-existing heart conditions. But it's like, it does make you, you know, look at the choices that we make for superficial reasons and think, is it worth it? Do I really want to take that risk? Um, so, you know, I'll stick to my filler and my, I don't know what I'm going to do about these eyelids at some point, but anyway, we'll get there. So that is it. That is all my, you know, superficial and zeitgeisty topics I wanted to cover today. Um, I will actually be interviewing one of my listeners coming up. Uh, she is also a health coach and um, I'm going to be interviewing her this Friday, but I, I, I'll probably play that maybe over the holidays or I'll probably save that interview for another time. I do still have a another Alicia McCarville podcast I wanted to review from DST. Uh, there are some new hosts of Diet Starts Tomorrow, that podcast that I often review. So so we'll see. We'll see what kind of content they're putting out and and whether it passes my, um, you know, my critiques. Just kidding. I'm sure it'll be great. So anyway, please follow me on Instagram at the Diet Obsessed Podcast. Uh, please DM me if you want to share any thoughts about this episode or if you have any ideas for future episodes that you'd like to hear. Please share them. I'd love to hear them. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Uh, subscribing just means go and like follow the show at the top. There's like a little plus button where you listen to podcasts. That just means that you're subscribed. And so when a new episode comes out, it like automatically gets sent to you. Uh, and then, you know, review, just go out and leave some comments, leave some stars. Really appreciate that. Make it your Instagram story if you feel so inclined. Uh, but anyway, until we meet again... I hope all of you have a very balanced week.